It's the Wiki Morning Show to Go podcast. Here's Dennis John Bailey and Diane Douglas. Our guest today, Mike Sowell, the author of the book, The Pitch That Killed, the story of Carl Mays, Ray Chapman, and the pennant race of 1920. I can't believe that uh, yesterday was the 100th anniversary. It was great to see all the recognition that Chapman got because of the 100th anniversary. So that was gratifying, keeps his memory alive. Mike, this is just amazing that, you know, and with all of the people who have played baseball on a professional level all of these years, that, that Ray Chapman is the only one who was actually who actually died from injuries received while playing the game. Yeah, that is phenomenal, especially when you consider that Major League Baseball started in 1876, so they uh, they didn't start wearing batting helmets until the 1950s. There were a few players in the 1940s, like Pee Wee Reese, started wearing them because he had been hit by the hit in the head by pitches. You know, to think that they not even after Chapman was killed that players start wearing the protective gear to go that far into the history of the game with no fatalities other than Chapman is amazing. It is amazing. All right, let's talk about the actual incident. Now, if I recall, uh, Diane told me that it he was hit by the pitch August 16th and he died the following day. Well, first of all, it was an important game. Uh, the Yankees and the Indians and the White Sox were in a three-way battle for the pennant that year. And, of course, the Indians were going for their first league championship. And interestingly, the, the Yankees hadn't won before either. So this was a year before their dynasty started. But uh, on that day in the polo grounds, uh, an important game. And the Yankees actually moved Carl Mays up one day in their rotation because of the importance of this game. And that day, it was uh, it had kind of rained. It was a light rain. It was very hot and steamy that day, overcast. And it had stopped raining by the uh, fifth inning. And so this happened in the fifth inning. Uh, Ray Chapman was the first batter of the inning. Carl Mays pitching for the Yankees. And Mays was a very unusual pitcher in that he threw underhanded or submarine and we occasionally see pitchers like that today. But according to Bill James, the great baseball historian, Carl Mays was the only submarine pitcher who threw hard. So he could still throw the ball up there really hard and fast. So on this day, Chapman comes up. The Indians are leading three to nothing. Uh, by now, the rain has stopped. Chapman's an excellent hitter, fastest player in the league, very good at bunning the ball. So Mays was concerned about, you know, Chapman bunning, and he wanted to keep him from doing that. And this was the first pitch of the inning. Chapman's at the plate, and Chapman was very agile. Unlike some players, he rarely was hit. So the, the pitch came in, and for some reason, Chapman did not move on that pitch. It was as if he froze. The ball came in inside, hit Chapman on the left temple. He immediately went down, but the ball hit with such force that it could be heard throughout the ballpark. People up in the stands could hear it. And it ricocheted back to the mound or toward the mound. So Carl Mays thought that the ball had hit the bat and that it had come back to him. And he threw to first base. And the Yankees were getting ready to throw the ball around the infield when they looked and they saw Chapman had sunk to his knees, blood coming out of his left ear. It's obvious he was very seriously hurt. They were able to summon a, the Yankees' 
team physician as well as one doctor who was at the game. They uh, tended to Chapman initially put uh, ice on the wound, so that was the correct thing to do. But they then allowed him to stand up, and he was going to be taken to the clubhouse playing in New York. And the, and the Yankees that year played in the polo grounds. They hadn't yet built their own stadium. So Chapman had to walk from home plate all the way through center field to the center field fence where the, the door was to go into the clubhouse area. Initially, he was walking on his own power with two teammates on each side of him. But before he could get second base, his knees started to, to give out and he started to fall. And so they, they grabbed him quickly and put his arms around their shoulders, and they took him the rest of the way to the clubhouse. He was incoherent, but he was trying to talk, and he was agitated about something. But uh, finally, when they made out what he was saying, he was asking to get Katie's ring, and Katie was his wife. He always took his wedding ring off before a game, but he wanted it back to be put on his fingers. Katie, Ray Chapman's wife, was Diane's great aunt. Yeah. So, Diane, how did they meet? I mean, do you have any idea? I mean, that well, part of the family was from Cleveland. Yes, right? the Daly family was from Cleveland, and they were introduced somehow. And if I'm not mistaken, Mike, wasn't Ray planning on retiring after the 1920 season? Well, that was a, kind of a, a debate at the time. Um, I did read that uh, Katie was a big baseball fan, and she went to all the games, and she was driven in a chauffeur-driven limousine to the games, and Ray Chapman was the son of a coal miner. So, Yeah, a coal miner from Beaver Dam, Kentucky, right there in Ohio County. They're kind of at polar opposite socially, but Chapman was so outgoing and popular, you know, he could mix in all circles. He was friends with national celebrities. All the other ballplayers loved him. I think they met at the ballpark. Katie wanted to meet him because he was a very good-looking, cheerful young man. So they did meet through baseball. You had never heard your grain aunt referred to as Katie? I never had. She was always referred to as Kathleen. You think that was what... Her husband called her, you think? I think so. I think that was his affectionate name for her. Had you ever heard that she was a particularly, you know, like big baseball fan? No. I mean, that was news to me. I mean, and I think it was just, and which is odd because my whole family, I got my love of baseball from my dad and so did my siblings. And he got it from his mother, Katie's younger sister. But I didn't realize that she met Ray Chapman by going to the Indians games all the time. How about that? Well, of course, at that time in particular, I mean, that was hugely popular. Oh, yeah. It was a great form of entertainment. So getting back to, I uh, say so he's in the clubhouse after he's been hit. Was he was he sent to a hospital? What, you know, what was the story? What, what happened after that? He was taken to the hospital immediately. I think it was St. Lawrence Hospital in New York. Initially, the doctors thought he was going to be okay. Seemed to be doing better. You know, his blood pressure and everything was seen to be getting stabilizing. But overnight, he started deteriorating and they realized it was an emergency so they had to do surgery and they took him to surgery around 3 a.m. He came out of the surgery and they the surgeons were encouraged. He started to improve. It looked like he, he might pull through but then he took a turn for the worse and he died around 4 a.m. on that day. Now what was May's reaction after after that? 
first of all, Carl Mays never went up to the home plate. You know, other players gathered around to see how Chapman was, but Mays was preoccupied with arguing with the umpire over the baseball, that he's blaming the umpire for the ball hitting Chapman because the ball had a scuff on it and it should have been thrown out of the game. But And Mays never apologized to the Chapman family. His excuse was, or, you know, for not doing that, was that he thought it would only add to their grief for him to get in touch with them. So initially, he seemed to be more concerned by himself. And to kind of set it up, uh, you know, Chapman was tremendously popular among all the players in the league. Mays was probably the most unpopular man in baseball at that time. One of his teammates said he always looked like a man who had a perpetual toothache. So, you know, and he... (laughs) Mays never, he he didn't go out and socialize with his teammates. He would go home. He was married. And, you know, in 1920, he had a young baby. But um, he was just a different type. And he also had a reputation for throwing at batters. He routinely led the league and hit batsmen. So there was quite a bit of debate about whether he was throwing at Chapman. And there actually was a move in the league among the players to have him thrown out. They wanted to boycott any game that he pitched. And he actually had to appear before the uh, district attorney in New York. I mean, he has killed a man, but they did not bring charges against him. They determined it was simply an accident, you know, kind of part of baseball that players do get hit by pitches. Not only was Diane's great aunt married to Ray Chapman, Ray Chapman was from Beaver Dam, Kentucky. What an uh, amazing coincidence all of that is. Now, your book... The Pitch That Killed has been optioned for a documentary. That's exciting. Well, it is exciting. And, and right now it's actually uh, what they call a, 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 it's being shopped around. So it's in pre-production. And a few years ago, it was an option for a movie. And the movie made it to pre-production but did not get the funding. So now, though, I think with the uh, the team that is uh, that they have working on this, that there's a very good chance it will make it to a documentary. I've got my fingers crossed. And uh, if they come out with a documentary, there's always the chance that that will then kind of get the story out and a movie would be a possibility because this whole story, the way it plays out, truth is stranger than fiction. There's a lot of very unusual twists and turns. The player coming after Chapman thought he was Ray Chapman reincarnated and he's now in the Baseball Hall of Fame and, you know, Mays. My uh, thought on this always was both players were victims of that pitch. Chapman lost his life, Mays lost his reputation, and they both would probably be in the Hall of Fame today were it not for that because Chapman didn't have a long enough career to make it. Mays deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, but he's never been voted in, and you know many people think it's because that's what he is known for. He was the only pitcher to kill a man in a major league game. Our guest has been Mike Sowell, author of the book, The Pitch That Killed, the story of Carl Mays, Ray Chapman, and the pennant race of 1920. It's available on Amazon or anywhere books are sold.